You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to Claret and Blue. My name's Dan Rowlands and I'm joined this afternoon by John Townley. John, how are you? Uh, yeah, good, thanks, mate. Um, busy week than expected, I think, <laughs> after Villa lost. <laughs> We're going to touch on it now, but yeah, busy week than expected, so I'm actually quite tired. Come on, John, get the energy pumping. We're here for, for a great podcast. Today's episode is titled, Who is Matteo Alaman? And what would he bring to Aston Villa? Now, we're recording this for for clarity on the 4th of May. And as yet, Matteo Alaman has not been confirmed as anything to be in a role at Aston Villa as of yet. But the the rumours and the the press circulation is that he will take over as director of football or sporting director or whatever the phrase is at some point. So if you're watching this as of today, this is a bit of a background on who he is and what what, what would he bring to Villa if, if the move did happen. If you're watching this in the future, when he has been uh, confirmed and welcome from the, from the past, uh, everything we say in this video will still be relevant by the time that happens in a week, two weeks, three months, whenever it is. This is a kind of a, a general background and an explain on who he is and what, what he'll offer to Aston Villa and Unai Emery moving forward. The first thing is, for who is Matteo Alaman, is that it's Matteo Alaman. Not Alemani, which is what I thought it was. I, I sought, sought clarification and the why is silent. So the first thing I've learned is that it's Aleman. We're going to talk through who he is and his background and where he's been and then what he'll bring to Villa towards the end. So just start me off with a little bit of a, a basic kind of um, yeah background on, on who he is. If anyone would have heard of Aleman before, it would have been probably only from Barcelona and mainly because of the sort of crises or crisis that they've been in over the last mm. sort of, I don't know, five four or five years. Um, as we'll touch on, that's not really his fault, but that's probably where most fans would have heard his name from or maybe they've been aware of him. Maybe they haven't before Barcelona. So he was at Barcelona since uh, March 2021. Previously, he was at Valencia 2017 to 2019. Uh, and then before then, he had different roles at Mallorca, where I think I think that was his, his sort of hometown club. Mm. Um, I think he was born in Mallorca. And yes, he was had sort of three main, uh, been at three clubs in in sort of a um, director role, I suppose you could say. Obviously, different roles, and each roles bring each role. Sorry, sorry, brought different sort of challenges. Uh, but now, as we know, as say at the moment, it's finalising the deal to come to Villa, so, or Villa are finalising the deal for him to come um, and work with Unai Emery. Sort of, obviously, it's going to be main uh, senior role. We don't know exactly what that would be. But presumably it would be a director of football position. Um, we don't know how that affects the hierarchy of the club at the moment, but that will become clearer um, in, the, mm. in the coming weeks, I suppose. Um, but yeah, the background information really is uh, he's 60 years old, worked at Mallorca for a bit, then Valencia was successful there and was very successful at Barcelona too. And we'll, again, we'll get onto the reasons why, but I think there's been a lot of, I don't know, maybe sort of preconception of, oh, he'd been working at Barcelona during their um, sort of worst years as such, and especially because of their finances and it's well documented mm-hmm. their, um, their problems that they've been uh, having over the last few years. So hopefully we can sort of put some of those potential fears um, to bed, even though, to be fair, I think mostly fans are very excited by it. Yeah, I'll come at this as I always do from these kind of things as not the expert and try and get the best out of someone like you who has done their research and wrote about this guy already or written about this guy already. I saw a lot of kind of excitement on my Twitter feed yesterday, I think this was, when it was first kind of uh, mooted that it might happen or a couple of days ago. And it was kind of met with this overwhelming, wow, like what a move that is for Villa, like that, what a coup that is. And I kind of sat there and thought, I don't. I don't know who who that is. Like, is this good? Is this? Do you know what I mean? I, I, 
I don't know how many of our audience will be in the same position I am in, or they'll be in the kind of experts of my Twitter feed going, how do you not know who this guy was? Like, this is a, thing, a big deal for Villain. It does sound like a big deal, and the more kind of thought behind it I put into it with the help from you and, and others as well, this does sound like a big deal. Um, we we're going to try and get on Luis Miguel Echegaray, who I hope I've pronounced that name correctly, because he did send me a voice note saying, this is how you pronounce it, and I've given it my best go. Um, but kind of his work commitments, and he's based in New York, the time zones and things just didn't link up. He wrote a, a brilliant um, Twitter thread yesterday. So yeah, May 3rd, this was. It's like 18 parts long, but I just wanted to read the first two or three to you, John. I, I assume you've seen it, but for those that haven't, he says, in order to build a successful f- club, three pillars are fundamentally needed, no matter the size, financial or geographical status. Economical management, operational excellence and innovative, constantly evolving footballing vision. Alaman's arrival from a footballing aspect touches on all three, but mainly on the third one, completing the double threat alongside Emery's management. His background and the way he views success is due to his diverse professional background, which I'll explain soon, but really being at Aston Villa means this. The club's three pillars have never been stronger. First off, it's important to know that Alaman's reputation is highly, highly respected across the continent. Quotes such as, the other Messi of Barcelona and the smartest man in football, to my favourite, many people shake the tree hoping for fruit to fall. Not him. He goes right up and takes the apple that he wants. I kind of read that and the rest of the thread, I thought, oh yeah, serious football operator. Now I get the kind of the hype around it and I'm the first to kind of come on something like this and say... I don't want to get too carried away with the hype and what someone's done elsewhere the same way I'll do for a manager and a player. On paper, it does look like a great thing, but I'll withhold some kind of reservations that let's wait and see what comes first. But it does sound exciting, doesn't it? Yeah, I think just the fact that we've got, or Villa have the capability to price someone away from Barcelona (laughs) is, uh, I think that's kind of convinced me enough already. Um, No, yeah, I mean, Again, he hasn't. He's, he's held roles at two clubs, obviously two prestigious clubs in um, Spain. But I think to be an office at Barcelona is one thing, but then to actually do the job that he has done is another. Because as we know, Barcelona at the moment are um, they are struggling, and he's had to pick up a lot of mess from previous regimes. Um, obviously, that's not an easy job. Leo Leo Messi leaving as well. You can't mm. understate that how how much of a job that would have been to not only sort of. Um, to say pick up but also find success on the pitch as well obviously he's not picking the team or anything like that but he is recruiting players having an influence on the major decisions at the club um and again as we'll get on maybe they're not so aligned at the moment and that's one of the reasons why he's leaving Barcelona but for Villa to um to be able to attract someone of his uh sort of standing in European football that's uh, you know that that says everything about where the club's heading and also the importance of Unai Emery in the club and what yeah. we've promised him you know we knew when we got Emery that we've clearly promised him something and promised him a lot of um, getting influence over key decisions with us but I'll be honest I didn't expect us to be able to bring in someone of the calibre of Alaman um you know, we know that there'd be some sort of restructuring, not restructuring, but a uh, bottom of Heath would be different <laughs> after a couple of years with Emery in charge. But it's taken six months for us to be knocking on the door of Europe. The summer window is obviously going to be exciting without mm. Alaman. Add him into the equation as well. Um, yeah, you know, in two years, where you know how how different will Villa look then? So yeah, very exciting, and I'm not surprised that fans have you know taken it. Um, uh, as well as 
as well as they should really because again we're here to sort of paint the picture of like the overall we need to be balanced with it and you know not everything's rosy and maybe he made mistakes at Barcelona as well like everyone does but ultimately Villa are going in the right direction and this is a another sort of um tick in the box for for V Sports mm. another um you know major sort of coup by them if people are watching this in three months' time and it's all been confirmed, it's like Alaman does this and Langer does this and Perzo does this and, and Emery does this and whatever, then this video and this section will look stupid. But it feels like at this moment, it's like Emery and Alaman as this like, force of nature. They're the, they're the duo that come in and he'll find the players, he'll get the best out of them and we'll make a, a, a successful Aston Villa together. That's what it feels like. Yeah, and again, we don't know um, even if that was to be the case. Clearly, Lang is still going to have a significant influence in the club. And as well, personally, this is just an addition to that, which is obviously yeah. only a good thing, and especially because it's Emery that's come in. And clearly, Emery has, uh, you know, asked for another uh, figure in the club that he can not necessarily relate to, um, but someone who he can work off and work with. Mm. He, like, uh, he appointed, I say he appointed, he um, wanted to bring in a personal assistant. Uh, I forget his name, he's got a long name, which. I might butcher two seconds. Uh, Damia Vidagani, that's his personal assistant who sits with him in press conferences. Funny enough, he actually worked with Alaman at Valencia. There's probably quite small circles within sort of Spanish football, mm. European football. But they all know each other somehow. Um, but yeah, again, just for Villa to attract that calibre of director who can come in and make big decisions and have the power to make those decisions, that's extremely exciting. And from the short time we've known Emery or known him at Villa, could sort of take away the stuff that he's doing on the field. But, you know, in the transfer market, for example, like Alex Moreno, um, that's mm. sort of one out of one. <laughs> he's already been linked with like Chelsea and Man City today. Um, oh, so, yeah, yeah. again, there's, there's a, lot of exciting, uh, a lot of exciting times ahead and this is just an appointment that sort of rubber stamps that. And we don't actually have too much more to do in terms of um, recruitment, in terms of personnel, because you've got, an elite head coach. You've got an elite operator or another elite operator, if you want to say, in the um, in the boardroom. What more do we sort of need to do in terms of? Um, like we seem fully set in terms of attacking the transfer window. In terms of on the pitch, obviously you can always improve your players, but everything's set now for Villa to really push ahead. And yeah, this is just another uh, piece piece of that jigsaw. Let's talk about the the Barcelona years, I guess, a little bit. Now again, I'll come at this from the the easy opinion, I guess that. Well, aren't Barcelona in financial ruin? Why do we want the person who makes their financial decisions effectively is the, is the narrative that I've seen. He's yeah. in charge of signing players. They've signed some good players. They've signed some bad players. that haven't worked out. They've spent a lot of money. Barcelona is not in a, a good place to be. This guy is there. Is he just jumping ship because Barcelona aren't, aren't giving him what he wants? Is, is this who we want at Villa? All these kind of accusations, I guess, for, for want of a better word. Take away all the, the financial crises at, at Barcelona for a sec. They're about to win the league uh, <laughs> this this year. I don't think it's mathematical yet as we record this, but they're about 12 points clear at the top. So that's a, a pretty much a done deal that Barcelona win the title this year. So that's pretty good going for a, a sporting director to have given the manager... X amount of players that go on to win a title, so that's a that's a good thing for me. Um, yeah. Are you able to dispel the myth a little bit that Barcelona are in financial mess and this guy is a part of it? Yeah, so mainly he's, I guess you could say, he's come after the mess, I suppose, and his his job in a way was to sort of uh, deal with it and sort of work in a different sort of condition to what you would have expected a Barcelona director of football mm. to be working under. Um, 
Juan Laporta again names could be butchered here but I think Juan Laporta uh, he, we're trying our best he's the president of Barcelona at the moment and he was elected after um, Bartomeu who left again a bit of a mess at Barcelona I think he was arrested actually for um, for whatever whatever it may have been um, allegedly but, <laughs> yeah, but he was arrested for think um, <laughs> but Barcelona yeah were in uh, ruin and they still are in different you know, problems financially and they want to bring Messi back and I don't know why because they don't have the money to do it or if they do then they're not going to have much money left uh, so he came in after he was part of Laporta's uh, team I suppose who came in after Bartomeu who spent mm-hmm. say, like £800 million pounds on transfers over about three years like Griezmann uh, Malcolm who's now playing for Zenit I think Arthur who's playing for uh, Liverpool Coutinho obviously was huge money Nelson Samoa mm-hmm. was at all to Yerimina, all those players cost a lot of money. Um, those are just like I don't know, seven examples of players who didn't work out at Barcelona and they spent loads, nearly a billion quid in say three years. So there's a lot to pick up. Um, again, obviously, Messi was a huge uh sort of change at Barcelona. That is again, we can't understate how how much of a big decision it was for Messi to not only leave, but again, what was left behind, how how to pick that up. And that was all um that was all in uh Alaman's intro, I suppose, when when he was at Barcelona, and yet you can't argue that they've been a success on the pitch. I know they were knocked out against United in the uh, Europa League, and they didn't get through in the Champions League. But I do think Spanish football is a bit. Again, I know they're doing well in the La Liga, but the Premier League streets ahead at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. They sort of disgrace losing to United over two legs, who are the third best team or fourth best team in the Premier League. Joined under Laporta, uh, elected in 2021, they spent. 230 million euros to date over three windows so the summer window last year uh january sorry over four windows i think yeah four windows but yeah 230 million euros a lot of that's also free transfers though so your likes of mm. um christensen kessie last summer but they made good they've made good decisions i think Lewandowski obviously you can't really go wrong with that transfer Rafinha I think was a good move as well because um, they can sell him for more already um, yeah. well they beat him beat Chelsea to sign him so it's difficult because a lot of fans will probably think well as a Barcelona director you've got almost free you know you can sign who you want almost like Real Madrid or something but you need to work in the confines of your budget which at the moment for Barcelona yeah. And again, you can have the free free transfers, but it's signing the right players. And for a long mm. time, Barcelona haven't signed the right players. So yeah. again, and that success has been uh, sort of evident on the pitch because they're 13 points ahead of Atletico Madrid at the time of recording, I think. So I don't know how many points they are ahead of Real Madrid. Um, but clearly they've regained control domestically. But European football, obviously they've struggled this season. But I think as long as they can get domestic um, sort of, say, control again, then that's proof that they're going in one direction. Or they, or they were, at least, in the Alaman. So, yeah, he's, he's done a very good job. The thing that I kind of don't want to get carried away with is that we've plucked someone from Barcelona and said, here's an unlimited budget. Because there's no such thing as an unlimited budget. Yes, V-Sports and Nassef Sawiris, Wes Edens have got loads of money and would love to be able to spend loads of money on Aston Villa. But the financial fair play constraints mean they can only spend relative to what they earn. So, yes, bringing in Matteo Alaman and giving Ian Emery a war chest or whatever other journalistic cliche we want to throw at it is only uh, viable with what we can spend. So, yes, if Villa can spend £200 million, for example, 
I'm sure we would love to go out and spend £200 million, but let's not all get carried away with this unlimited budget and plucking somebody from Barcelona to sign the world's best players. It is also another thing, attracting players to Barcelona. And as much as they might be in a, a bit of a mess since Messi's left over the last few years, it's still Barcelona. Like That's still a pull for a lot of players. So exciting, but let's kind of see some proof of, of what we're getting before we get carried away. However, like I said... As a fan, it's it's difficult not to get carried away with unlimited budgets and Barcelona because it sounds sexy. Again, there's probably some transfers that he's made at Barcelona. There's a couple at Valencia that weren't or, ha- or didn't work, and that's going to be the same for any director of football. Yeah, yeah. you know, not every transfer is going to work unless you're um, working for Brighton. <laughs> so, yeah, on that unlimited budget, I think that was just lost in translation. There was a slightly meaning, basically, he has free reign over. Not free reign, mm. but he's, he's got power to make decisions. Basically, you know, if he thinks that um, Villa should be going after, I don't know, random name, Ansu Fati, should we say, who's been linked with a lot of Premier League clubs, we'll go for that player if Emery wants him as well, obviously, because they're going to work in. Yeah. Work While that's different in Barcelona, for example, um, Sergio Busquets, Sergio Roberto, Barcelona, or figures at Barcelona want to give them contract renewals. Apparently, uh, Alaman didn't. But who's going to win that battle? Probably not Alaman. It's going to be the mm. other um, same yeah. more powerful, more uh, experienced figures at Barcelona. So it's having the ability to make those um, key decisions and obviously working with a budget that isn't unlimited. But, you know, we're not going to sign 20 players, are we, in the summer? We might sign four or five, but if that costs 160 million plus or whatever it may be, that sort of figure, that is almost a bit unlimited because Villa can't spend 70 million quid on a player, can they? Because if they're that good, they're not joining a club who isn't in the Champions League. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the pick of the players, not the pick of the players, but we could have the pick of the players who are that sort of, um, you know, I don't want to say it, but players who we maybe wouldn't have been able to attract without Alaman, put it that way. Let's talk about Newcastle a little bit in some ways, from a footballing perspective at least. They're the the mould for, for what you can do to an extent to be rock bottom of the Premier League when they've they got new owners, appointed Eddie Howe and have absolutely turn their fortunes around flown up the Premier League within a season basically yeah they're they're the mould now and whatever you think of their ownership and whatnot footballing wise they've done it in a, in a smart way they haven't spent spent money but they haven't spent silly money on silly players they've done things properly and Eddie, Eddie Howe has improved a lot of their existing players and made them better which is what Unai Emery has done at Aston Villa in six months or so as well. They're the kind of the mould to follow. They can and will finish in the top four this year. They're, they can break the established and Villa will hopefully try to do the same. They want the other man and they want to do Unai Emery, which again, whatever you think of, of Newcastle, they are doing good things at the moment. For them to have identified the two people in key positions that we now have, that's a very kind of encouraging sign. Do you not think that a club that's gone and changed their, their fortunes massively, wanted our manager and sporting director, head of football operations, whatever his title eventually ends up being. That's an encouraging sign because they've done good things. Now Villa will hopefully do good things under their their targets in a weird way. Yeah, and again, we're not just copying Newcastle by appointing Emery and bringing in Alaman, hopefully. Yeah, Newcastle are clearly backed by serious, serious money, um, but they are making the right decisions. As you say, yeah, they've spent money because they can, um, but they're spending it wisely and they've also mm. got the right people in the right positions above the manager. Uh, it's Dan Ashworth, isn't it, that's the director there now? After yeah. The Brighton, but in that role, they wanted um, Alaman. So, if you kind of go back to late 2020 when 
the takeover of Newcastle was being stalled because of, I think it was, was it piracy issues? I think potentially other things. Something to do with that, yeah. Yeah, it was being stalled for a while and then it wasn't announced or wasn't uh, completed up until October 2021, if I'm not mistaken. So between Alaman leaving Valencia in 2019 and Newcastle's takeover being completed, he'd obviously joined Barcelona in March Mm. 2021 to go with Laporta. So obviously that move wasn't going to happen, him going to Newcastle, but his or Emery's personal assistant, who I said works at Bar- uh, v- uh, Valencia, sorry, I'm not going to say his name again, I forgot it. He came out and said that the PIF, the Public Investment Fund, wanted Alaman to be in control of their football operations, basically, uh, for when they took over. And obviously it was stalled. He went to Barcelona, then it got uh, completed. So, and I, again, we know that Emery was um, was the was their first candidate to take over from Steve Bruce, wasn't it? Yeah, went for a different managers. Eddie Howe um, became the head coach and has exceeded expectations. I think he's done really well. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it just shows that we're on the right track. As if we needed further proof anyway. But for those uh, for that group who are clearly switched on to football, they haven't just got money for them to have wanted Alaman, and they again could have probably had a pick of any sporting director that they'd like. So, so to go for him after working at Valencia, this was before he was at Barcelona, to the European footballing world, the sort of inner circles that we're not aware of, he was obviously showing something to them. And uh, again, that's just yeah further proof that we've got, or oh, sorry, <laughs> that we might get a. Uh, a top operator to work under an elite manager that's quite a quite a thought again an easy kind of narrative will be Villa might sign some players from Barcelona Villa might sign some players from La Liga if that is the case <laughs> I can see you frantically opening another <laughs> Um, I think you'll probably end up doing a piece on this or we might just do another separate podcast on it, to be honest. Is there anyone as a standout that's maybe on the periphery at, at Barcelona that is looking for a move away that Villa might go, oh, you know what? They could do a job in the Premier League. Blatantly, obviously, we'll obviously be focusing a lot of our transfer activity in Spain, in Portugal as well, because George Mendes, who has a relationship with uh, Nasef Sawiris, is also closely linked to Alaman. Again, this is all if Alaman joins, but we've obviously seen signs already that Emery wants to concentrate where he's looking at his transfer business in Spain. Alex Moreno obviously joined for 13 million. He's proven that there's a very good value in that market. Not again, if Moreno joined under Steven Gerrard, we wouldn't be seeing Alex Moreno as he is today in terms of that. Um, the player that he is under Emery, so Emery knows yeah. that he can work with uh players from that market, um, improve them, they can adapt to him quickly, he can they can take on what he wants them to do, basically. And again, we're not just going to focus on Spain or La Liga or the Portuguese League or whatever it may be. Will we go into Russia or whatever? If the, if the right player is there, because that's why you have such a big scouting network. But we have appointed uh, a Spanish scout who is going to be based in Spain as well recently. His name escapes me, uh, which is poor on my part, but he's a new appointment. Again, presumably that's linked to um, Alaman's potential arrival. Um, Emery's obviously want, wanting to focus again our network towards Spain because he can work with those players more so. I don't know if it would be lazy to suggest that all of a sudden we'd be looking at Barcelona players and because Barcelona need to raise funds then Villa will be signing players but clearly there's a few players there that could be of interest to Villa or Emery. Um, again, there's absolutely no links in this whatsoever as far as I know but you've got a uh, Ansu Fati who's been linked away. I think Ferran Torres is of interest to Premier League clubs. We're not in the Champions League though, are we? So it is a mm. it's different for a player to think I'm at Barcelona 
where shall I go? And Villa probably isn't at the top of your list, even though Emery's there and the sporting director's working at the club. I don't think that's a massive influence on your decision, if I'm being totally honest. Emery would be. But yeah. then Pep Guardiola's at Man City, Jurgen Klopp's at Liverpool. Um, Arteta Arsenal. There's still a lot of good managers in the Premier League and managers that will be managing in the Champions League. And those players aren't going to think, oh, Alamanda's going to Villa. I'll have to go there. It doesn't quite work out like this good player. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. We'll see. But clearly our focus is going to be in Spain for different reasons. Alaman is mm. definitely going to be in addition to that. And it's interesting that he's going to still be working for Barcelona in some capacity over the summer window. So, yeah, can you explain about that a little bit? Yeah, so his contract was due to end in 2024. He's said to them that he's leaving and Laporte has accepted his decision. Um, so he'll be officially leaving on June 30. I think the transfer window opens for many clubs before then. But mm. last year, I think July 1st, so the day after he's supposed to leave, um, international transfers were permitted. So if you think of it another way, I think it's like a day before the tran- the whole transfer window opens, to put it you know another way. Because I think like Kamara and Carlos weren't officially signed on until then last year. Yeah. So yeah, he's basically going to continue, and he'll be. So he won't continue. He'll, he'll end his contract in Barcelona on June 30. But then he has an informal agreement with the club to basically stay on in a sort of consulting capacity. So Barcelona can contact him and ask him about transfers or negotiations or whatever it may be that they'd like him to do. So he's basically still going to act as if he's employed by the club up until the end of like the whole summer window, so up until whenever it's shut, August 31, September the 1st, or whenever it may be, uh, later this year. Again, I, presumably Villa, if he comes to Villa, he'll be fully focused on the summer window mm. for Villa. I would have thought we've already put plans in place for targets and whatever it may be already, because that would be poor preparation, in, poor preparation if we hadn't. Again, I don't think he would have had a, um, too much of an input in that because he's not officially working for shit or... Again, he might not anyway. But yes, yeah, so he'll continue to work for Barcelona um, on a consultancy basis, basically. So not fully, uh, you know, day to day. I think Deco at the moment is the favourite to replace him. So if Barcelona can sort of sort their own team out and let uh, Alaman do his role at the new club that he's going to be at, that would work yeah. out for the new club, i.e. Villa, uh, better because he can be more, let's say, concentrated there. Um, maybe there's a link there in terms of his working for Barcelona still in a different capacity um, and he's working for another club. Maybe there's a kind of a natural crossover of it. It would be pretty easy to negotiate transfers if the one person is literally <laughs> across both clubs. Kind of, yeah. Um, so we'll yeah. see again, we have no idea and a lot of it will depend on Emery. He, this guy isn't going to say to Emery, okay, we're going to sign this player like it. Um, sort of, mm. if you don't like it, then it doesn't matter. They're going to work together. That's the point. And to be fair, I think yeah. when Emery retires from management, you could probably see him going upstairs into director roles pretty easily. Um, yeah, 100%. Wenger do that. I'm not too sure. Maybe he was, I don't want to say too old, that's rude, but maybe his career was so long in management um, that he didn't have that sort of opportunity to do that. But Emery feels like, it feels like he could do that, couldn't he? Quite mm. easily. He has that sort of leadership and uh, expertise of football to do it. So, Jonathan, that, that'll do this this episode. Who is Matteo Alaman and what will he bring to Aston Villa? Or what could he bring to Aston Villa, depending on when you're watching this and whether he's been confirmed or not? All the all the noises are that this sounds like it will happen at some point. The stuff you said about leaving Barcelona and still being around as in an advisory board, he's at least leaving Barcelona for sure. <laughs> we, we know that much, so... 
you know, it sounds like it's all happening. And again, if people are stumbling upon this in the future, when it has all happened, you've got the extra insight of what is specific titles and stuff. But I still think most of the things we've talked about today will be relevant throughout the whole transfer window until we start seeing him kind of work his magic, I guess. I think we're back Friday for a match preview, uh, post-match Wolves Saturday evening. And then uh, again, we'll see you again next week with whatever. We don't know what we're doing at the moment, but there'll be content here if you subscribe to Clout and Blue. Uh, so John, thanks for joining me. Thanks everyone for watching and we'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.